We had our family Easter yesterday, and we had the grandkids over, and they hunted for Easter eggs. And Have you ever asked yourself, how does a bunny and eggs become Easter? I mean, I can see chickens and eggs, but rabbits and eggs? Well, I did a little bit of researching, and so I, uh, there's all kinds of stories out here. I, I just like this one the best. I don't know if it's true, all right? But here's, here's a, a, a modern story in Germany about a poor woman living in a time of famine who had managed to get some eggs for her hungry children. And so in order to make it special, she hid them on Easter. And as the children discovered them in a bush, at the same moment a rabbit jumped out of the bush and the legend began that the rabbit had brought the eggs to feed the hungry children during the famine and such was Easter born. Well, I want to echo what Patty said. She said, listen to these words. Today, I'm going to give you some words from the Word of God. And I echo that, that you listen to the Word of God. Let's go to him in prayer. Father, we pause this morning with grateful hearts and, and lungs of celebration as we cry out to you in praise of the echoing of the tomb is empty. Lord, your word has said this. The word of God is the power unto salvation to those who believe. Lord, we ask you in your power for your glory and for their good to open the hearts of us to believe. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. So celebrating Easter is very special New Testament church. But there has always been ungodly men who claimed that there was no resurrection. They'll claim it today. Now listen, they were claiming it 2,000 years ago also. Paul spoke about them in 1 Corinthians 15. 12 through 22, it reads like this. Now, if Christ is proclaimed as raised from the dead, how can some of you say that there is no resurrection of the dead? But if there is no resurrection of the dead, then not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, then our preaching is in vain and your faith is in vain. We are even found to be misrepresenting God because he testified about God that he raised Christ whom he did not raise. If it is true that the dead are not raised, for if the dead are not raised, not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile and you are still in your sins. Then also, then those also who have fallen asleep in Christ have perished. If in Christ we have hope in this life only, we are of all the people most to be pitied. But in fact, Christ has been raised from the dead. The first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. For as by man came death, by a man also came the resurrection of the dead. For as in Adam all die, so also in Christ shall be all be made alive. So there's always been this belief, this statement, this teaching that Jesus is not the Son of God, that, that he, he, his life really wasn't important. But now listen, it's very important. Jesus' life 
of 33 years living a perfect life, dying on a cross to pay the world's sin debt, being buried as scriptures have said, and being raised on the third day is the greatest hope that the believer has, that there is life in Jesus Christ. So the first thing I want you to see is that the resurrection was predicted. If you have your Bibles, turn to Isaiah 53. Here's Isaiah speaking of Jesus 700 years before he was born. There's some things here I want to bring to light. Just because man has an image of what Jesus looks like. But God has words of what Jesus looks like. Starts off in Isaiah 53, 1. Who has believed what he has heard from us? And to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? For he grew up before him like a young plant and like a root out of dry ground. Now listen, he has no form of majesty that we should look at him. Listen here, and no beauty that we should desire him. You ever see pictures of Jesus? Beautiful hair, nice tan, good looking. That's not what scripture says. He has no form of majesty that we should look at him and no beauty that we should desire him. Verse 3 says, He was despised and rejected by men. A man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And as one from whom men hid their faces, he was despised, and we esteemed him not. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten of God, and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was a chastisement that brought us peace and with his stripes we are healed all we like sheep have gone astray we have turned everyone to his own way and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all he was oppressed and he was afflicted yet he opened not his mouth like a lamb he was led to the slaughter and like a sheep that went before his shears is silent so he opened not his mouth by oppression and judgment, he was taken away. And as for his generation, who considered that he was cut off out of the land of the living, stricken from the transgressions of my people? And they made his grave with the wicked and with the rich man in his death. Although he had done no violence and there was no deceit in his mouth, yet it was the will of the Lord to crush him. He has put him to grief. When his soul makes an offering for guilt, he shall see his offspring. He shall prolong his days. The will of the Lord shall prosper in his hand. Out of the anguish of his soul, he shall see and be satisfied. By his knowledge shall the righteous one, my servant, make many to be accounted righteous. And he shall bear their iniquities. Therefore, I will divide him a portion with many. And he shall divide the spoil with the strong. Because he is poured out to his soul to death, and he was numbered with the transgressors, yet he bore the sin of many and makes intercession for the transgressor. 700 years before Jesus was ever born, God was using his prophets to talk about the very events he was going to do. Listen, it is only God who can see to the future and be able to write about it perfectly so that we, here we are, 2,000 years after this, so this is 2,700 years old, that God wrote it for you so that you can see it, and I can see it, and we can come to understand that we can trust this God. In fact, 500 years, Daniel wrote this in Daniel 9.26. 
And after 62 weeks, an anointed one shall be cut off. That means killed. That's exactly what Jesus was. Listen, there's always this question, who killed Jesus? Did the Roman soldiers kill him? Did the religious Pharisees and Sadducees and priests kill him? No. Did your sin kill him? No. God took his life as a sacrifice for you and for me. God saw in the future the need for man to have a savior. And he sent his son to be that savior. In the book of Hosea chapter 6 verses 1 and 2 it says this. Come and let us return to the Lord for he has torn us that he may heal us. He has struck us down and he will bind us up. After two days he will revive us and on the third day he will raise us up that we may live before him. We will read about here in a minute about Joel who's about 800 years before Christ's death. As one of the disciples used him as an illustration in preaching. So 700 years before the resurrection, God was telling us it would happen. 2,000 years looking back has not changed the fact that it has happened. And the dilemma that we have today is we now are living in a time when there are generations of people who know no gospel, who have no hope, who can see nothing in life other than what we gain here. As I've shared with you before, the world that does not know Jesus, this is the best life they will ever have. And for those who believe in the Son of God who was killed for their, their sins, covered their iniquity, His blood covered us. For us, this is the worst we will ever have it. Listen, there's hope there. The second thing I want you to see today is the church meets on Sunday because it's the day Jesus was raised from the dead by His Father. Who killed Jesus? His Father killed Jesus. Why? For you and for me and for the rest of the world. In fact, the first sermon preached about the resurrection happened on the day of Pentecost. You, you, if you know any scripture stories, you should know this story, but this story, <laughs> Jesus, after he had been resurrected, he spent 40 days on the earth instructing his disciples and he was telling them to go back to Jerusalem and wait for the Holy Spirit to come. He said, I must go away so that another can come and he will be your helper. He will be the, the, reserva reservation, the reservation for you in heaven. Apart from having the Holy Spirit of God inside of you, you have no access to heaven. That's what the word of God says. And so at Pentecost, when the Holy Spirit came down, and, and, and there was these, all these images of fire coming, and there was these men who started speaking in different languages. Uh, today we have a world who wants to call this tongues. Listen, these were languages. It wasn't some foreign language. It wasn't some language of angels. It was the language of the men, because in Jerusalem at this time, there were many men there from all different areas, and they spoke different languages. And so God made it clear that they could hear the gospel of Jesus Christ in their own language. And so Peter is the first one to preach the resurrection. If you have your Bibles, turn to Acts chapter 2. We're going to look at verses 14 through 33. Acts chapter 2, verse 13, or verse 14 through 33. But Peter standing with the eleven. Why is that important? You remember God said, if you're going to accuse something, if you're going to say something, you better have some witnesses. Peter had eleven witnesses. Eleven witnesses to the death, burial, resurrection of Jesus Christ. 
They are at this event of Pentecost. They are speaking languages that they didn't know. And so the people that were around them thought that they were drunk. But Peter, standing with the eleven, lifted up his voice and as he says, Men of Judea and all who dwell in Jerusalem, let this be known to you and give ear to my words. If you go back and look at it, God constantly said this. This is my beloved son with whom I'm well pleased. Listen to him. For these people are not drunk, as you suppose, since it's only the third hour of the day. Third hour of the day is 9 a.m. But this is what was uttered through the prophet Joel. Joel, 800 years before Jesus was born, Joel said this, And in the last days it shall be. God declares that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy and your young men shall see visions. You old men shall see dreams. Even, in, even on my male servants and female servants of those days, I will pour out my spirit and they will shall prophesy. And I will show wonders in the heavens above the signs on the earth below, blood and fire and vapor of smoke. The sun shall be turned to darkness and the moon to blood. Before the day of the Lord comes, the great and magnificent day, and it shall come to pass that everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Men of Israel, hear these words. Jesus of Nazareth, a man attested to you by God with mighty works and wonders and signs that God did through him in your midst, as you yourselves know. This Jesus, delivered up according to the definite plan and, and foreknowledge of God, you crucified and killed by the hands of lawless men. God raised him up, loosening the pangs of death because it was impossible for him to be held by it. For David says concerning him, I saw the Lord always before me. He was at the right hand and I will, I will not be shaken. Therefore, my heart is glad, my tongue rejoices, my flesh also will dwell in hope. For you will not abandon my soul to Hades. Or let your Holy One see corruption. You have made known to me the paths of life. You will make me full of gladness with your presence. Peter says, brothers, I may say to you with confidence about the patriarch David. That he both died and was buried and his tomb is with us to this day. Being therefore a prophet and knowing that God was sworn and with an oath to him that he would not see, uh, he, that he would once see his descendants on the throne, he foresaw and spoke about the resurrection of Christ. That, <clears throat> that of all the witnesses, wait a minute, that of Christ was not abandoned to Hades, nor did the flesh see corruption. This Jesus God raised up and that we are all witnesses. you got to have more witnesses to this event than just one. Being therefore exalted at the right hand of God and having revealed from the Father the promise of the Holy Spirit, he has poured out on us that day and you yourselves are seeing and hearing the very thing that happened. They were speaking a known language and what they were speaking was the gospel of Jesus Christ, the good news that God has come to save his people, Gentiles and Jews alike. Paul preached the resurrection. In Acts 13, 29 through 31, Paul says this, Brothers, sons of the family of Abraham, and those you who have fear God, to us it has been sent the message of this salvation. For those who live in Jerusalem and their rulers, because they did not recognize him nor understand the utterance of the prophets, we, which are read every Sabbath, fulfilling them by condemning him. And though he found in him no guilt worthy of death, they asked Pilate to have him executed. And when they had carried all that out, he was written of him. They, they, they took down from the tree and laid him at the tomb. But God raised him from the dead. And for many days he appeared to those who was coming up with him from Galilee to Jerusalem. And now we are witnesses to this people. People, there were witnesses. 
And they're proclaiming because there were so many people who could not comprehend that there was a resurrection. Although Jesus had raised three from the dead, two immediately at death, and one four days later, they struggled to see this thing that God was doing on their behalf. In, uh, in John 2, 19-22, Jesus preached about the resurrection. Jesus answered them, Destroy this temple, and in three days I will rise it up. The Jews then said to him, It was 42 years to build this temple, and you will rise it up in three days. But he was speaking about the temple of his body. When therefore he was raised from the dead, his disciples remembered that he had said this. And they believed the scripture and the words that Jesus had spoken. Luke taught in Luke 24, 25 through 27, it says this. And he said to them, O foolish ones and slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Was it not necessary that Christ should suffer these things and enter into his glory? And beginning with Moses and the prophets, he interpreted to them all the scriptures, the things that concerning himself. This is the story of after Jesus' resurrection. There were two of the disciples walking down a road and, and they were talking with one another about the events that all took place from Jesus' death and his burial and then now this resurrection. And Jesus comes up alongside of them and he kind of hides his, who he is to them at that time. And he says, men, what are you talking about? And they look at Jesus and they go, haven't you heard? And Jesus had heard what? He goes about Jesus, the Messiah, our Lord. He was crucified. And now they're saying that he is raised from the dead. There's, there's two women that said it, and Peter John have said it. And, and we are just stricken with what is true. And so Jesus opens their eyes, and then he talks to them on this road. And notice what he says. And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he interpreted to them in all the scriptures the things concerning him. Remember, there's no New Testament yet. The Old Testament was enough for the Jews to have known that Jesus was coming, their Messiah, and he would die, he would be buried, and on the third day, he would rise again. In 1 Corinthians 15, 1-4, it says this, Now I would remind you, brothers, of the gospel I preached to you, which you received and which you stand, and by which you are being saved. If you hold fast to the word I preach to you, unless you believe in vain, for I delivered to you of first importance what I also received, that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the scriptures, that he was buried and that he raised on the third day according to the scriptures. Today, on Easter Sunday, we preach, we sing, we pray to Jesus Christ who has been risen from the dead. He is Lord of Lord and King of Kings. But He can only be Lord of Lord and King of Kings to those who believe. You must first believe. You have to believe that this is true. The Scripture says that if you repent, Almost in, actually in every accusation in Scripture, when it says you must repent, what it's talking about is you have to change your thinking. You have to change what you think about Jesus Christ. You have to believe what the Scriptures have said. Because listen, if repenting was changing your actions, then the whole Scripture that says you are saved by grace and not of works so that no man can boast. Listen, the Bible says you're dead and your trespasses in sin. You can't change nothing in your actions for anything that has any benefit until you have been awakened by the Spirit of God to the truth of God. And then when you accept God as your Lord and Savior, He awakens your heart from being dead to being alive. That's the whole purpose in the resurrection. He is not dead. He is alive. And he wants to give spiritual life to all who will believe. 
There is no salvation in you changing your actions. But here's what happens. When you move from dead to being alive, you know what the first evidences of that taking place in your life? Things in your life change. You are a different person. Remember what Scripture says, if any man's in Christ, he's a new creation. The old things have passed and all things become what? New. That's what happens when people place their faith in the Lord and Savior, when they believe. Listen, you have to first believe in your mind and you have to change your thinking about who Christ is and you have to believe that. And if you believe that, there's hope for you. If you don't believe that, there's no hope for you. I've shared. Everybody goes to heaven for the same reason. And everybody goes to hell for the same reason. What did you do with Jesus Christ, the Son of God? Lord, Savior, King. What did you do with Him? Did you just write Him off as being some old story? Did God awaken your mind and your heart and give you an itching to look deeper into this? To believe it? The third thing I want you to see is the purpose of the resurrection. The purpose of the resurrection. Romans 6, 1-11. What shall we say then? Are we to continue in sin that grace may abound? By no means. How can we who died to sin still live in it? Do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized unto his death? We were buried therefore with him by baptism into his death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in the newness of life. For if we have been united with him in death like his, we shall continue to be united with him in his resurrection like his. We know that our old self was crucified with him in order that the body of sin might be brought to nothing so that we would no longer be enslaved to sin. You cannot get away from sin until the Holy Spirit of God moves into your heart and awakens your soul, awakens your mind, awakens you to see the ugliness of sin. The only thing sin does is divide and destroy. And that's what God came to conquer and to change. Verse 7 says, for one who has died who has been set free from sin. Now if we have died with Christ, we believe that we will also live with him. We know that Christ, being raised from the dead, will never die again. Death no longer has dominion over him. For the death he died, he died to sin once for all. But the life he lives, he lives to God. So you must also consider yourselves dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. What was the purpose of the resurrection? To give you a helper with sin. To give you a new life in Christ. To go from being dead to being alive. To on your way to hell, to on your way to heaven. To being a person who hates people to people who loves people. God changes you from the inside out. If you try to change from the outside in, all you're doing is cleaning a dirty vessel. Romans 4, 23 and 25 says this. But the words, it was counted to him, were not written for his sake, but for ours also. It will be counted to us who believe Listen, I wish you would, do you hear these words? 
to those who believe in him who raised him from the dead, Jesus our Lord, who was delivered up for the trespasses and raised for our justification. The purpose of the resurrection is that you can be justified in front of God. One day, when you take your last breath here, you are going to meet God. Think about that. I'm a whole lot closer to meeting him than I was 40 years ago. But because of what I know and what I believe and what I've read and what I trust, I have no fear in meeting him because I have been justified. What does the word justified mean? That means to be declared righteous. I am declared righteous even when I am not. Why? Because the righteousness of Christ has been imputed to me and my sin has been imputed to him. When you meet God, there's one of two options. Either Jesus has paid your sin debt in full or you have to. By the way, you can't. And since you can't, you have to pay a penalty. And that penalty is separation from God in a place called hell. In John 14, 19, it says, Yet in a little while the world will see me no more, but you will see me because I live, you also will live. Listen, living in Jesus Christ on this earth is the best life I have. It's the best life you can have. We're not perfect. We sin. I sin. But there's some great hope here. Do you remember when the angels came to the shepherds in the field at Jesus' birth? Here's what the angels said. Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all people. Did you catch that? All people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. The purpose of the resurrection is that Jesus can be your Savior. And the people will say, Savior? What does Savior mean? What means saved? Okay, well, what does saved mean? Well, it says, Scripture says that you can be saved from the wrath of God. And believe me, there is a wrath of God. It is not God's desire that any should perish, but that all would come to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. It is God's desire that man would accept his gift, God's gift, to you. Listen, there's no gift you have to offer Jesus except your sin. You can give him your sin, and he can give you life. 1 John 2, 1 and 2 says this, My little children... By the way, he's not talking to kids. He's talking to believers. They are young believers. This, this new way, in fact, when, the, when this all happened with the church, they were called the way. They weren't called Christians yet because they were going in a completely different direction than anything the Jews had ever preached about in Jerusalem from the temple and what was happening at the temple and how the temple act. And they were meeting on Saturday and now the new Christian church is meeting on Sunday and he calls you little children. He says, I'm writing these things to you so that you may not sin. But now listen, but if anyone does, we all do. We have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous one. Listen, there's nothing greater than the fact that Jesus is at the right hand with his Father and he's given an advocate, he's, he's, a, he's being an advocate for you, for every believer in the world. Because there's an accuser up there called Satan and he's accusing you of the things you do that are ungodly, wrong and sinful. And because we all do them, and Jesus says this, I paid for them. You see, salvation is being saved from your sins. For all, did you, did you catch it in Isaiah? For all of us has went astray. We've all turned to our wicked ways. 
In verse 2 he says, He is the propitiation for our sins. The resurrection allows Jesus to be the propitiation. That word means satisfied, appeased. What is he satisfying and appeasing? He's satisfying and appeasing God for your sin debt. He is your propitiation. What he did on the cross, dying, being buried, third day, rose again, the resurrection Sunday that we're celebrating today, was to be your propitiation. Because you can't. You can't satisfy God. The only way you can satisfy God is to believe what God has said. Who says, this is my, well, this is my beloved son with whom I'm well pleased. Listen to him. In Romans 3, 21 and 25, it says this. But now the righteousness of God has been manifested apart from the law. Although the law and the prophets bear witnesses to it, the righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ, for all who believe, for there is no dis distinction, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, and are justified by His grace as a gift, through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God put forward as a propitiation by his blood to be received by faith. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. There's no, listen. Some of the things when you talk to people, when you get a chance to talk to people about heaven and, and, and kind of one of the opening things that, that I use sometimes is, you know, if, if you die today, would you go to heaven? And, and nobody wants really to say, no, I know I'm going to go to hell. They usually say, yeah, I think I'd go to heaven. And I would say, why? And they go, well, I'm a pretty good person. You know what the reality of Scripture says about pretty good? There is none. There was only one. His name was Jesus Christ. He's the only one who was good. The rest of us are sinners. And by the way, at being a sinner, the Bible says this, the wages of sin is death. Everybody deserves hell. But let's finish that. But the gift of God is in, but the gift of God is eternal life to those who believe in Jesus Christ. He raised from the dead to be your advocate, to be your propitiation, to be your redemption. The word redemption means that He purchased all of your sin on the cross. He paid for it. You can't. It's impossible. First Corinthians 15, 20 through 23 says this, but in fact, Christ has been raised from the dead, the first fruits of those who've fallen asleep. Some of you may know this, some of you may not. Did you know that 2,000 years ago, somewhere in that area, on this day, when Jesus rose from the dead, the high priest was at the temple, and the people were bringing in first fruits. What's first fruits? It's the first fruits of the ground. They were bringing in grapes. They were bringing in wheat. They were bringing in barley. And this priest was taking this food, and he was raising it up at the altar, praising God for the first fruits. Now listen. At that very moment, Jesus Christ has raised from the dead to be your first fruits. And the ideal of first fruits, if you praise God for the fruits that he's given you, then you get more. Jesus was our first fruits so that you and I can be a fruit. And he's building his church of fruit. Listen, there's some sour fruit sometimes, right? Hey, there's some sweet fruit sometimes, right? There's some fruit I don't even like to eat, right? But Jesus is the first fruits. And you can be a part of that by being a part of the family of God, by being the church. Today we've looked at the fact that the resurrection was predicted. From 800 to 700 to 500 years before Jesus was ever born. 
it was predicted and wrote about and treasured and kept so that you, 2,800 years later, could read it. Constantly, the scriptures keep saying, believe. I can't make anybody believe. That's God's job. That's the Holy Spirit's job. The Holy Spirit works on your heart, tugs at your mind, and allows you to hear these words and, and allows you to consider them as whether they are true or not. And you get to choose. God makes no one go to hell. They choose to. Because He has offered salvation through His Son through belief. Remember what Romans said? That if you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead and confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, you can be saved. There is no other way. There is not door number two or door number three or religion number two and religion number three. Listen, there's only one way, Jesus Christ. The world doesn't like that, but it's the truth. Why would we not proclaim to those people who believe in some false way to get there? Why would we not share with them the truth? We've seen today why the church meets on Sunday. It's because on this day, some 2,000 years ago, the grave was empty. And Jesus was alive. And he made himself available to the disciples. He made himself available to 500. And, and listen, if you go back and listen to this story, the Bible says this. And, 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 and it just says this, this little bit. There, there's so much. I wish we had more information about this. But it says this. When Jesus died on the cross, it says the veil of the temple was torn from top to bottom and that graves were opened and dead people came to life and stayed with him and talked and went back to the family. Can you imagine being at your house, an aunt or an uncle or father, someone down the line, someone that you had went to their funeral or read about their funeral, know about their funeral, they're at your door. And you're going... This is impossible. You're right. It is impossible in man's ways. But what does God say? There's nothing impossible to God. He raised those people from the dead. And they were witnesses about him. The gospel message. Why do you think when Peter per preached that first sermon at Pentecost, 3,000 people were saved? Listen. If you don't think church has a problem, you take a church of 11 and make it 3,000. There's going to be a huge difference. Praise God. We look at the purpose of the resurrection. That we who were dead were made alive. We looked at our trespasses and sins were covered. We looked at we were justified, declared righteous. We also got to see that we get to live. How long? Forever. Here's what God offers. If you'll believe and trust in Him, He'll give you a new body one day. Praise Lord. The older we get, the more we can see this new body as being much more precious than it was when I was 20. We get a new body. Fit for eternity. We're not the only ones who get a new body. Because all those who did not believe, they also get a new body that allows them to be tormented in the pits of hell forever. No death. You see, there's some, some people who just have some idea that when you die, it's over. No. When you die, it just begins. Eternity begins. One of two places. Only two options. And listen, there's only one option to miss the bad of the two, and that is to believe what God has said about His Son, Jesus Christ. That's why He raised Him from the dead, so that you and I can have life. These men 
who witnessed this, they became preachers of the gospel, preachers of the resurrection, preachers of the empty tomb. Why? Because there's life in Jesus Christ. I hope you don't miss the advocate part. Because there's this false assumption that if you become a believer, you all of a sudden become this perfect Christian. They don't exist. And if they think they exist, they lie. Because the problem is, is our old nature that we have doesn't go away. It still lives inside of you. You just have a new nature. It's also living inside of you. And you have an option of which nature you feed. You feed that new nature. You will sin less. You won't become sinless. But you will sin less. But now listen, the whole purpose, the church is not made for good people. It's made for sinners. Just as hospitals are not made up of well people. They're made for sick people. Listen, it's at the church where you can come before a holy God who is righteous and just and you can confess your sins to him and the Bible says he will declare you righteous. Remember what 1 John 1, 9 says? If anyone confesses his sin, Jesus is faithful and just to forgive them of their sins and to cleanse them from all sin. All. He is our propitiation. It is what Jesus Christ did on the cross. Well, really, it's what Jesus Christ did in 33 years of life, being perfect. Remember, he's the only one who's good. It's what Jesus Christ did in 33 years of life. Then following through with a death that we wouldn't wish on anybody. To dying and then being buried in a tomb. And three days later, God raises him back to life. He is your propitiation. He satisfies the Father's wrath against you. When you believe what the Father has said about his Son. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father except through me. Jesus is our first fruits. Church, there's many more to be saved. You know how I know that? Because here's what Scripture says. There's a number of Gentiles to come in. When that number of Gentiles come in, then the church is fulfilled and the church age in and God takes the church off of the earth and the, 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 or the uh, seven years of tribulation begins. He's our first fruits. You know what evidence of that was? Last Sunday, right here, after church. A young man comes down and you have to understand, I knew this guy. I knew him from a young kid. I watched him at age 11, make a profession of faith, follow through believer's baptism. But I also watched at age 16, he became his own man, did his own thing whenever he wanted. He came down the aisle last Sunday, and he says, I just don't think I was ever saved. I didn't know the things I know now. Now listen, there's a huge difference in being 11 and hearing about, you know, he grew up in church. There's a big difference in being 27 when you can think as an adult and you can make the decision to allow Jesus to be your Lord and Savior. Listen, he is Lord and Savior. You can't fix that, but you can allow him access to your life as Lord and Savior. That's exactly what Patrick did last Sunday after church. Here's what I know. Most of the people that I've had the privilege of talking to 
in receiving Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior didn't happen in church. Sometimes at my home, privilege of my couch, my love seat, my kitchen tables, sometimes at a job, sometimes camping. Listen, the gospel works anywhere you'll share it. And most people get saved outside of church, but make it public inside church. Why? Remember what Jesus said? If you will not confess me before men, I will not confess you before the Father. And so what he was saying is, are you ashamed of me? Do you believe what I have said, what I've shared? Do you believe that? If you will believe that, you can move from being spiritually dead, because listen, we're here, we're humanly alive, but there are some who are spiritually dead, and you can move from being spiritually dead to being spiritually alive. And begin this quest of heaven bound. You're not saved by good deeds. If you're not saved by good deeds, then you can't lose your salvation by bad deeds. Because Jesus is your advocate. He is your propitiation. He has declared you righteous. He has redeemed your soul forever. And so in the name of Jesus, we're offering an invitation. As Patty comes and as she plays this song, we're going to give you a time to get right with God. And we're talking about getting right in the sense as Savior and Lord. And this altar is open. If you're not ready to talk to me, come and pray. If you're saved, pray. The beautiful story is this. Yes, we celebrate Easter. And it's very special to the New Testament church. But listen, it's very special to the people here at Grace. This invitation will be short. And so I'm going to ask you, if God is dealing with you in any way, to step out quickly. Because then we're going to move on to partaking of the Lord's Supper. So if, if the church will pray, if God is dealing with you in any way, the altar is open for you. Let's pray. Father, we ask you to open hearts. We ask you to help those believe. We ask you to move for your glory. And what a beautiful day, the day of resurrection, where our hope as a church lies. And so, Lord, have your will with the people. And it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. If God is dealing with you in any way, come.